Is there anyone that falls? Am I the only one in church today feeling so small? Cause when I take a look around, everybody seems so strong. come to church and say to someone, hey, hello, how are you doing? They say, God is good. I didn't ask how God was doing, I asked how you were. <laughs> Who are you when you come to church on a Sunday morning? What version of you do we get to meet? Is it the same version that your family knows? The same one that your colleagues and your friends know? Or like when you get dressed in the morning, do you put on your Sunday best and we only get to see the nicest, the most sanitized version of who you are? 
And there might be other versions that live in different contexts, but they don't come to church on a Sunday. This morning we're launching a new series. And it's really the second half, the second part to the Deep Clean series that we've just come out of. We're going to extend the work that we did in the Deep Clean series as we look at what lives behind the curtain. That curtain which is the barrier between our public life and your private life. The screen that's between the exterior and what might be found on the inside. And the Lord said, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. You fools. Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? What sorrow awaits you, for you are like hidden graves in a field, and people walk over them without knowing the corruption that they step on. One of the greatest accusations that Jesus levied against the Pharisees was that of hypocrisy. That outwardly, to the appearance of others, their lives looked holy and godly. But inwardly, their hearts were far from God. They were like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but decaying inwardly. Friends, it is our plea before the Lord that we would not be a church like that. That we would, that coming to church would not be a stained glass masquerade. Where we all pretend to ourselves and to those around us and worst of all to God. That everything is great. That we're happy plastic people. When in reality that's just not the case. And somewhere behind the curtain, in the place where few others get to see, sin is lurking. We live our lives pretending to ourselves and to God that that doesn't matter because it doesn't get seen. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Brad. For those of you who don't know me, I want to say a warm welcome to those of you joining us online. I have the privilege this morning of introducing us to our new series, Behind the Curtain. And I've used as the title for my message, what is the tagline for this series? And that is that God cares about our private lives. God cares about your private life. And our heart as we go into this series is to take our private lives and to place them under God's microscope. Which is a little bit scary, if we're honest. But we want to invite him to come and to search us to know us and to see if there are any offensive ways in us and then to take them, tie a rope around them and pull them out. Amen. So that when we stand before Jesus on that day, we will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not get away from me, you sinner. I never knew you. And so as we head deeper into the series, here are some of the places we're going to explore. We're going to go and explore personal purity. What does your character look like when no one else is looking? When you're at home alone and no one else can see? What does your character look like? What does your home life look like? Who are you when you are at home? How does your family know you? And how do you relate to them? What healthy soul rhythms have you established in your life? How are you cultivating this beautiful relationship that God has won for you and given to you in Jesus? How are you treasuring that and digging deeper into the King who paid everything to know you? How are you orientating your life? How is your devotion to God? Are you living for yourself? 
Or have you realized that the life that God has given you is just a trust that he has extended to you for a short period of time to give back to him until he takes you to be with himself? And how do you relate to others? What are the relationships in your life like? Are you a person who enters into a room and a space and it brings grace and peace and joy into that space? Or do people walk on eggshells around you because they never know what's going to set you off and offend you? In each of these spaces, it is our desire to go into places that are usually remain behind the curtain. And we want to pull the curtain back and we want to ask God to bring his light into that place and redeem it. Because sometimes in church, we just assume these things. And we don't often address them directly. I want to share with you a story from a Baptist pastor by the name of William Dumer. He was a pastor in South Africa, and he did ministry in the early part of, of the 20th century. He eventually died in 1997. And he was given by God an incredible healing ministry. Absolutely incredible. He traveled all around sub-Saharan Africa to where, where God gave him grace to minister, and people were healed incredibly through his ministry. And because of that, God allowed incredible church growth to happen in the local church that God had called him to pastor. And so he, be, he was doing that. And one day he began to notice the church had kind of stagnated. It had stopped growing. And he began to prayerfully process with the Lord and ask God what was going on. And so the call that he felt from the Lord was to gather his leaders together. And he said, guys, I want us to fast and to pray for a week. And so for a week, all the leaders of the church were not to eat. And they were, to only, they were to just to drink. And then they would come again in a week's time. And they would take communion together. And they were going to share what God had spoken to them in that week of prayer and fasting. And so they did that. For a week, they fasted, they prayed, and they came back. And as they sat together around the communion table, there was one leader that just couldn't reach into the bowl and break off a piece of bread. And eventually, without understanding why, that leader got up and he ran out of the church. And Pastor Duma followed him and spoke to him and discovered that in that leader's life, he was living in sin. And he had, was living in an adulterous relationship that no one else knew about. And unfortunately, if I remember correctly, he remained unrepentant in that relationship and they asked him to leave the church. And when that was dealt with, the blessing of God returned and the church began to grow again. Because you see, what happens in our private lives really matters. It matters to God. It matters to us because it affects us. And it matters to the people around us because it affects them too. Remember the story of um, Achan, the city of Ai, and how the Israelites had moved into the land and they had taken Jericho and they were all really excited and they came against a small city and they died, and they failed to conquer it and many died and they had they kept wondering why and they mourned before the Lord. The problem was there was sin in the camp. There was someone who was not living in their private life what they were doing in public. So this morning we are going to look at a scripture that that scares me a little bit if I'm honest. Right, it's in the beginning of Luke chapter 12, and, and it comes on the back of this really awkward luncheon that Jesus has with a Pharisee and some of his friends. So this Pharisee invites Jesus into his house, and I've got to be honest, this is one of those moments where Jesus is not a great cordial guest. Right, He, he enters into this guy's house, and he begins to take the opportunity of sharing a meal with them to just repeatedly rebuke the Pharisees and the preachers of his day 
for all of their failings, most of which are specifically hypocrisy. And it gets really awkward, and so I don't know if they finished eating or not, but then Jesus gets up and he walks out, and we pick up the story from there in Luke chapter 12 from verse 1 to 5. It says, Meanwhile, while Jesus was having this awkward lunch, the crowds grew until thousands were milling around and stepping on each other, And Jesus turned first to his disciples and he warned them. And he said, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do any more to you after that. I will tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then to throw you into hell. He is the one that you should fear. That scripture scares me a little bit. I want to draw out for us this morning three reasonably simple observations. And the first is, and this is perhaps the most obvious, but Jesus is warning his disciples. This is a warning that he gives them. He says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, which is their hypocrisy. And whilst this is, this is a little bit obvious, I feel it's worth teasing out for us because Jesus uses the analogy of yeast and the power of that analogy and that metaphor is that yeast makes its way through dough. If you put yeast in a dough, it spreads through and it moves from one particle to another and every time it reaches a particle, that particle's chemical composition changes to become something else. And so Jesus is warning his disciples not to allow hypocrisy, which is descriptive of the Pharisees at the time, to become descriptive of them as well. And the reason that potentially obvious observation is worth teasing out is because I think we all have these built-in deflectors. We have baked-in biases that, so when we read a story, we want to automatically associate ourselves with the protagonists in the story rather than the antagonists, right? Which is not usually the disciples. Usually the disciples are the antagonists and the ones that are failing us. But we read this story and we want to think, no, we're not like the Pharisees. We're like the disciples. And we say, God, I thank you that we're not like that. We're going to come back to that hard posture in a moment. But there is a warning that we need to hear from Jesus. It was a warning he gave to his disciples. It's a warning we need to hear. Beware that you could become like that. Beware that hypocrisy doesn't take root in your life. Be careful because you might be less holy than you think you are. Second observation I want us to draw out of Luke chapter 12 is is when Jesus says, all that is secret will be made known to all. If you take the time to think about this statement, it, it, it is quite scary. Everything that you have done in the privacy of your own space, when there was no one around to see you, will be shared publicly. The things that happen in your bedroom, your office, the hotel room, will become public knowledge. You will no longer be able to clear your internet browsing history. Even your personal conversation, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Whatever you have WhatsApp to your wife or to your husband will be announced to everyone. Whatever you have emailed to a colleague will be read to your office. Whatever you have debriefed an encounter, that will be made public. Whatever you have said in confidence with the expectation of confidentiality will be laid bare before everyone. That scares me a little bit. 
I want to say, if it scares you, the, the thing that becomes so important as you look at the scripture is that it gives us a call to integrity. Right? That, that what you do in private should line up with who you are in public. What you say in private should be what you say in public. If you wouldn't say it to someone's face, you probably shouldn't be saying it to someone else. Would you be comfortable allowing anyone to access all of your chat history? To go through your phone, look at your WhatsApps, your emails, whatever instant messaging platforms you happen to use. Could someone pick up your phone at any time and there would be nothing there for you to be ashamed about? That's the standard that Jesus is calling us to aim at. And friends, I'm not sharing this because I want you to feel condemned. I want, to, I want to say that very, very clearly this morning. I stand just as much under this word as anyone else. And I desperately need the grace and the forgiveness of God just as much as anyone else. Because God still needs to do deep cleaning work in my heart and pull stuff out of me that needs to come clean. But there will come a day when everything about us will be laid bare before God and also before others. It's not just God. And who we really are will be displayed for everyone to see. And on that day, Jesus says, make sure you have chosen wisely. That's the third observation. This then, Jesus says, is who you should fear. We don't like to think about God in terms of fear. And that's not really the heart of Jesus' instruction in this moment. But his desire is that we would be motivated by the right fear. Because far too often, we allow sin to remain unchecked in our lives because we are afraid of the consequences. When we should be afraid of the eternal consequences. You're afraid to tell your spouse that you're being unfaithful because you you wonder what that might do to your marriage. You're afraid to take a stand at work because you're worried about what that might mean for your job. You're afraid to admit that you watch pornography because you're worried about what others will think of you. You're afraid to disappoint someone so you carry on doing something that you shouldn't be doing and your family is the ones that pay the price. You're afraid to be open and honest about your faith because you don't want to lose relationships with non-Christian friends and colleagues. Guys, I know some of these are big things. And I am not suggesting that you run out and you share your sin without consideration or prudence. James calls us to confess our sin to one another. And a couple of weeks ago, Rawls preached a sermon on receiving forgiveness. And in that sermon, he, he gave us some tools and he, guidelines and avenues for how we can do that well. And those avenues are still available. And we haven't closed the door on wanting to journey with anyone who needs to deal with stuff. We are here to do that. And we'll talk a bit about that a little bit later. But if there is something that is dark in your life, the Lord wants to bring it out from behind the curtain and into the light. Jesus' admonition to us is this. Don't fear the wrong stuff. Leaving your sin in the dark may, and I really do mean may, have less consequences for you now. There is a very small possibility that it will not affect your life too greatly. But honestly, that possibility is minute. And most of the time, sin that remains hidden carries consequences for us as we go forward. It affects us. It changes our heart. It changes our disposition. It affects people around us. 
And one day there will come a day when God will call that sin to account. Whether or not anyone else has ever known about it. And that sin will be weighed by the one who has the power to close the door to his eternal blessedness to you. And the call Jesus makes is, do you want to wait until that day before you finally deal with the thing that's sitting behind the curtain? Do you remember a parable that Jesus told once about the Pharisee and the tax collector? It's a parable we find in Luke chapter 18. And he said this, he says, to those who were confident in their own righteousness and they looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. He says, two men went to the temple to pray. One of them was a Pharisee. And the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed and he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I have to the temple. But the tax collector stood in the distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Remember the deception of hypocrisy that we spoke about earlier? Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like someone else. God, at least I know I'm better than some people. Maybe I'm better than most people, depending on how well pride has managed to climb in your heart. God is not interested in evaluating your righteousness against other people. There isn't a long scale of all Christians that have ever lived from the most holy Christian to the least holy Christian. God's like, oh, well done, Brad. You have reached rank 17,825 today. So proud of you. God is not worried about who's going to pair off against who in the quarterfinals because you topped the table of holiness. God cares about the position of your heart before him. Is it humble? Is it repentant? Do you desire and desperately need the mercy of God in your life? Or do you feel like you've got this? Are you thinking of yourself perhaps more highly than you ought? Are you ignoring stuff that sits behind the curtain because you've convinced yourself that if others don't see it, it doesn't really matter? And if it doesn't affect them, then God doesn't really care about it. And he won't mind. As I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of a couple of passages that I read in Ezekiel a a little while ago. And in these passages, you see God showing Ezekiel things that others are trying to hide. Ezekiel chapter 8, we read this from verse 6. God says, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? Do you see the detestable sins the people of Israel are committing to drive me from my temple? But come and I will show you even more detestable sins than these. And then he brought me to the door of the temple courtyard where I could see a small hole in the wall. And he said to me, now son of man, dig into the wall. And so I dug into the wall and I found a hidden doorway. And he said, go in and see the wicked and the detestable sins they are committing in there. And so I went in and I saw the walls were covered with engravings of all kinds of crawling animals and detestable creatures. And I also saw various idols worshipped by the people of Israel. Seventy leaders of Israel were standing there with with Jazaniah, son of Shaphan in the center. And each of them held an incense burner from which a cloud of incense arose above their heads. In this 
picture that God shows Ezekiel. You see the leaders of God's people worshipping in a secret place, probably a room in their house that no one else could have access into. That's the, the metaphor of digging through the walls meant to show us that space that no one else has access into. There's not an open doorway to see this place. It's closed off. No one can see it, but God sees. Ezekiel chapter 11. Then the Spirit lifted me and brought me to the east gateway of the Lord's temple, where I saw 25 prominent men of the city. Among them were Jazaniah, son of Azur, and Pelatiah, the son of Beniah, who were leaders among the people. And the Spirit said to me, Son of man, these are the men who are planning evil and giving wicked counsel to the city. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and he told me what to say. This is what the Lord says to the people of Israel. I know what you are saying, for I know every thought that comes into your minds. I know every thought that comes into your minds. Even the things that we think are visible to God. Ezekiel chapter 14. Then some of the leaders of Israel visited me, Ezekiel. And while they were sitting with me, this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that make them fall into sin. Why should I listen to their request? Even as the leaders of God's people come to sit before the prophet to ask for counsel, God looks into their hearts and he says, they have set up idols. They are not actually interested in worshiping me and I know about it. And so why should I listen to what they have to say? The things that live behind the curtain of our lives, they matter. And nothing escapes the notice of God. Our private lives matter to God and his call to us is to live as people of integrity. And so as we go through this series, we're going to explore this idea in a collection of specific spaces, spaces we have felt led by the Holy Spirit to give attention to, the spaces I mentioned earlier. And as we do that over the coming weeks, I really want to encourage you to open your heart to the voice of the Spirit and to allow Him to put His finger on whatever needs attention in your life. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you already know what it is. God has already been speaking to you about it. But you've been too apathetic or too afraid to deal with it. I know what that's like. For three years, God spoke to me about a sin in my life. And for three years, I pointedly ignored him and asked him to say something else. And for three years, he kept telling me, deal with this thing. Just for clarity, it wasn't something that I dealt with yesterday. This happened some time ago. But I know what it is to ignore the voice of the Lord. I know what it is to have the thing that's sitting in the darkness that you don't want others to see. You don't want to deal with because you know it's going to cost you something. God is calling us to pull back the curtain on those spaces and to allow his light to come in. So I'm going to close this morning with an encouragement from the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua 24 says this, Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, and he summoned the elders and the leaders and the judges and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And then we're not going to read it, but Joshua recites for them all of the things that God has done in the history of the people of Israel, from calling Abraham out of the land of Ur to the exile out of Egypt to the entry into the promised land, Joshua recaps all of what God has done for the people of Israel. And now they stand and they've moved into the promised land. And they're on the verge of fully occupying the land. But there are some spaces they still need to take possession of. And Joshua gives to them this charge. 
It says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped before the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for, for yourselves this day who will you serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and for my household, we will serve the Lord. As we go behind the curtain of our lives, into those private spaces that only God sees, I want to invite you to choose today who you are going to serve. And will you take seriously God's call? I'll ask Jackie to play a clip for us.
wish I could take credit for that video and that song. It's, it's really powerful. Let's just pause before the Lord this morning. Father, we have come together as your people to choose to worship you, to choose to serve you. And God, we want to place you in authority over our lives and we want to bring to you anything that you might be putting your finger on this morning as your spirit just begins to highlight those spaces that idols have been set up in our hearts. Spaces behind the curtain that no one else has seen but you know of. And you are calling us back. You are calling us back to you. Back to the things that we used to know. Back to the person that we know we want to be but we just don't feel like we know how to get there. Lord, I want to invite you to come and move in our hearts this morning. We desire, God, to make that choice. I want to encourage you, if you are sitting and you feel the conviction of the Spirit this morning, choose in your heart, say, Lord, I I want to submit this thing to you. I want to serve the Lord. I realize that may be a big decision. That may have a high cost attached to it. And I want to say to you, we are not going to leave you as orphans as you make that call. We are here as brothers and sisters in the Lord, as people who are in the process of being redeemed by God. None of us are perfect. But we will walk that road with you. And so if you want to respond personally this morning, the pastors and elders will remain for a while, and you're so welcome to come and speak to us, realize some of these things might be quite personal. And so if you want to contact us anonymously, our contact details are available through the church office and the church websites. And you're so welcome to reach out to us electronically. We would love to connect with you and walk with you. But God, we give ourselves to you this morning as your people, and we declare, God, that we desire to serve you and you alone. Give us grace, God, as we go into this week and as we go on this journey as a church of cleaning out the stuff that's behind the curtains. Won't you make us a church of real people who love one another and journey with each other towards all that you have called us to be? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.